Hi everyone, you're listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors to find out how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Today, we are bringing back the John Kasman. If you want to hear about his story, you are not going to be listening to this episode because this is the action items episode where we get really granular on how we can become better investors, whether we're trying to go active or passive. So welcome back to the show, John. Absolutely, Taylor. Thank you for having me back. Yes, let's let's just dive right into it. So if if we're if we're trying to take action, wanting to get into our first multifamily investment, what should what are some action actionable items that we can get started with? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's going to start based on wherever you're at today. So let's say you've never done a deal. This is your first multifamily deal you're looking to do. One thing that I think helps a lot of people is surround yourself with other people who are doing deals, uh, as particularly someone who's doing exactly what it is you want to do. So if you want to be passive, find someone else who is the passive investor and ask them questions, take them to lunch, buy them dinner, but ask them, hey, what should you be looking out for? Do you know somebody that you know I should talk to? What group are you invested with? What's that experience like? What would you do differently? But sit down with that person because they can help you get more comfortable and ask questions that you may not even be thinking about. If you want to be active, I think the advice is the same. Find somebody who's actively investing with the strategy that you're using. Learn what it takes to be a successful active investor. Because the challenge most people have is you don't know a lot of people who are doing real estate like this. So if you don't know people who are doing this and all you're doing is listening to podcasts, which by the way is a phenomenal step, uh, but maybe you read some books, uh, maybe you're on bigger pockets, but you're not talking to people that you know, that you can see, that you can, you know, sit across from look in their eyes, it may give you a bit of trepidation that, you know is this real or should I actually be doing this? Or, you know, there's a little bit of doubt that just lingers in the back of your mind. So surround yourself with someone who's actually doing it. And I think that will help to alleviate some of those concerns. All right. Assuming you've done that now, and the next thing that you need to do is you got to figure out what is the number one thing, and particularly the next thing that you have to do to invest. Uh, Again, if you want to be passive, you got to start getting on people's lists. You have to connect with an operator or a syndicator or somebody who's going to present you deals. So reach out to them. You know, I'm a guy. So if you want to learn from me or reach out to we got, reach out to me, but find someone who's got deals and reach out, get added to those lists so you can actually start to review opportunities. Again, if you're an active investor, you want to be active, where are you going to get these deals from? Because nothing happens until you have a deal. So reach out to brokers, figure out who the wholesalers are. Do you need a coach or a mentor or something like that to get you going? But nothing happens until you get a deal. So you're going to have to start seeing deals. You have to talk to people. You're going to have to analyze these deals. But you have to start training yourself with what is the next step I need to take in order to be successful here and actually take that step. Now, in, in your experience in trying to find passive and active investors, where have been some of the best places that you've seen where where you can, I guess, meet a, meet a lot of people there? 
Yeah. I mean, listen, you're going to, this is going to vary from, from people, right. But one thing you want to do, and this kind of goes back into uh, my marketing time, but you got to understand who you're trying to connect with because, you know, for instance, an ideal investor for many people is um, like a high net worth doctor, right? It's like, oh, you know, doctors are great. They got a lot of money. Well, great. Why would they want to invest with you? Are you a doctor as well? Do you understand their profession? Do you have some sort of connection to the industry? If not, and you just want to target doctors, but you don't get them, you don't know their lingo, you don't know their pain points, you don't know their story. Why would they want to invest with you? You know, and that, that's something I think people have to understand and just really think about a little bit and be honest with yourself. So that's something that can help you because once you figure out who you can help, then you understand where to find them. What I will tell you is this, um, this is going to sound very obvious or hopefully it should seem very obvious, but if you're looking to connect with real estate investors, maybe go to real estate events. <laughs> Mind blown. Right? Now, now, with that said, there's a downside to that because these people may be doing the same thing that you're looking to do. Right. Many of them are. So you have to also think about it to say, okay, if you want people who want to invest passively, well, where are those individuals at? Because maybe part of the reason I want to invest passively is because I don't have the time to go to all these events. You know what I mean? I don't have the time to sit and and go to something after school or or after work, uh, particularly if you're a busy professional, right? If you're busy, you got a full time job, you got kids, you got other activities to do. I don't have time to go to this networking event, you know, the you know middle of the evening on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and if you do, it's maybe once or twice, but you're not going, you know, every week on a, or every month on a commitment. So how do you connect and engage with these individuals? And there's different platforms to do it. Podcasts are great. Obviously, we're doing a podcast right here. Um, I do like events because people will attend these events and they'll um, the ones who are serious and looking to grow certainly attend these events. Um, and then one other thing is you got to figure out where people consume their content, whether that's via social media, videos, things of that nature. But creating that kind of content helps tremendously as well. And you know, now switching gears, because I know that you have a very data-driven approach to your investment strategy and how you just understand real estate in, in general, when it comes to market research, I'm curious about some of the resources that you use in order to get some of this data that influence your, your investment decisions. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of resources out there. And one of the key things is, and I love this quote, I'm stealing it from a a good friend of mine who I used to work with in the advertising world. And she said, you know, clients have um, their, their, um, they're drowning in information and thirsty for insights. And it was something that I think just resonates because there's a ton of information available, right? If you wanted any kind of data point, there are plenty of resources to get the data points. The so what is the hard part? What does that mean? Again, we talked about inflation before and what does inflation mean? What does rising interest rates mean? And people read that data point and they're quick to jump to conclusions without actually taking the real insight, without seeing the entire picture and understanding how this one piece of the puzzle creates a larger picture. So with that said, when I'm looking at data, I'm, I'm not overreacting to one piece of data. 
I'm taking that piece of data, I'm looking at the larger picture and I'm seeing, is this in line with what I expect? Is this an outlier? Um, does this conflict with other pieces of data that I've seen up to this point? And then I'm gonna do a little bit more research based on that, right? So where am I getting this data? I'm getting it from multiple sources. First off, I like to look at multifamily data from the multifamily brokerage firms. CBRE does a pretty good report. Marcus and Millichap puts out a great report. Um, you already Matrix has some, some good reports that are out there as well. Um, Collier's used to, I'm not sure if they still do, but um, I know they, they used to have some information as well. And then I'm looking at macroeconomic stuff. Um, IRR viewpoint is, is uh, also kind of a combination of uh, industry reports as well as macroeconomics. Um, there's another one I can't think of right now that uh, comes out annually, but it's more of an, uh, an economic report as well. And then um, I'm trying to think. Um, so I'm looking at those things on a submarket level. I'm looking at like justicemaps.org. I'm looking at datausa.io, one of my favorite websites, and that allows me to compare different industries. I'm looking at BLS or the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. So when I'm looking for job information, I'm going there. You can obviously use uh, census.gov to get uh, population information, but I'm looking at all those pieces of information. I'm cobbling them up to, to get a sense of what's the story. You know, Once you get it, once you kind of align on a market or sub-market or at least understand what's happening in that market, you don't have to keep looking at the data every day or every month. Um, you just want to make sure you're keeping an eye on what's happening in this market and what's changing. A last thing that I'll, I'll call out here is it always helps to look at kind of the development and economic plan for the market and the sub-markets you're investing in. So most cities have like um, either an economic, um, economic development department or chamber of commerce or something like that where they are highlighting what new developments are taking place and the areas that they are looking to develop new projects that are coming in um, pay attention to those things because that'll give you insights on where does the city want to develop and where is that you know where's that puck going so if you can figure out where every all the energy is going where the development's going you can start to figure out okay well here here are some of the areas where it might be smart to invest in that are either adjacent to it or within that path of progress and i want to actually hit two birds with one stone too because you mentioned them talking to other operators and then also just getting an understanding of the market very oftentimes in those offering memorandums you can see the actual market information that these brokers are putting out and uh, just see the development within that area. And so I think that could be another solid resource as, as, as well. I just wanted to add. Yeah. Can I, can I throw out something that's interesting that um, someone uh, asked me this just today and uh, it's, it's a, uh, it may be a contrarian belief, but hmm. I think people put way too much emphasis on like co-star reports and those kind of things. Um, the, the issue for me is you got to keep in mind that all these reports are looking backwards right? They're always looking backwards. They're usually a quarter or two behind. And some of that information gets dated, especially in a world where, you know, rents are raising at, you know, 12, 15, 20, 25% clips. If you're making decisions based on what you see in the Coastal report, that may already be outdated. So, I like to look at real-time stuff and just do my own firsthand research uh, or work with, you know, my team. And we just go out there and look. I go to apartments.com and look at, you know, what's available right now for rent. I don't want to see, you know, what you tell me, you know, rent should be X, Y, Z in this market. Just go and see what comp properties are renting for. Look at the finishes. Look at apps like 
go find those apple to apples or at least those similar uh, properties. So you have a sense of like, okay, hey, realistically, I should be able to get this in it, this for that. I don't really take the um, the quantitative approach that some people do mm-hmm. um, because unless if you're doing all A class stuff, then yeah, you can do that. But there's so many little nuances when it comes to trying to comp a property that I think you really have to just roll up your sleeve, look at the actual property, look at the amenities the property offers. There's definitely software that has that ability. And if you're, you know, if you've got the ability to, you know, use that software and that AI, great. But if not, don't just grab a co-star report and say, Hey, you know, this property should run for $800. So let's just go ahead and put $800 in our underwriting, like actually do the work and look at the property and, and dig a little deeper cross-reference it. And do you mention nuances too? I know we're running short on time, but I was wondering if you can mention just like, just maybe like one or two nuances that, that you would, I guess, like look at that, I guess, make, make your, make your mind go. Do when you looking at it? comps or what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. When you're looking at comps, cause you, you mentioned like, yeah, when it, when it comes to like that on that local level and that granular level, there's some nuances that the data is just not showing that you get, you get this insight when you when you really see it firsthand. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of them. Um, one, I would say is finishes, which is a pretty easy one. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. when you look at those reports, they don't they don't call out that this property has XYZ finishes. So that's something that you should pay attention to if properties have been already, you know, renovated or they've someone's running a value at play on that property. I think you need to call that out and look at it so you understand what you're looking at. Um, amenities is another thing to understand. If one property has, you know, swimming pool and you know, workout facility and you know, clubhouse and all these other things, you have nothing. Well, I mean, they may be able to charge a little bit more money than you're going to be able to get, right? So I think you just have to look at all those things and and try to do the best you can to create kind of a fair comparison. Got it. And if people want to get a hold of you again and learn more about you and your group, how can they reach you? Yeah, man. Check out the podcast. It's called Multifamily Insights, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then we also have a sample deal package on our website. Just go to kasmancapital.com slash sample deal. Awesome. And those will all be in the show notes. Thank you, John, for hopping on the show and giving us some great actionable items to take with us. I learned a lot and I'm sure my audience learned a lot as well. And thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate your time and have a great rest of your day. Taylor, thank you for having me, man. Take care. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you got any value out of the show, I'd greatly appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes to help others receive that same value. If you're looking to learn more on how to passively invest in apartment buildings or self-storage assets, click on my link in the show notes to learn more. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.